Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Debbie Page, and she is a business owner who has not only taken over her husband's business, but also started her own company. She's leading summits, and Debbie, I'm going to have you take it away. Go ahead and let us know what you've done in the past and what you're doing now. Okay. Hello, and thank you so much, April. I'm thrilled to be here. So I've done several things in the past. I am a registered nurse as well as a board certified lactation consultant. And for about 10 years, I ran my own private practice as a lactation consultant, which I did that all from my home, which was really lovely. And I, and I enjoyed it tremendously. And then in 2011, I started to work with my late husband's company, a company that his grandfather started in 1893. And oh, wow. I had begun to realize how much I love growing a business. So I had approached my husband and said, Hey, let's work together. Cause I think I might be able to help you. So eventually he agreed not at first. He wasn't too keen on that idea, but I did go to work for him and started uh, changing some of the things that were doing in their back office, some of their, their order entry system and things like that, that just were not working to serve them very well. And I'm so thankful that I did that because then in 2014, we brought the business home. We decided no, there's no reason to have this big warehouse and, a, and an office that we're paying rent for. Let's just bring it home. So we did. And then about almost to the day, a year later, my, my dear Duncan passed and there I was now the CEO of this company. And it's not a large company, but it still was a bit intimidating to me. Almost still today, probably 90 to 95% of every phone call we get and every order we take is from a man. It's very ah. male dominated. So you're still running it from your home. And do you yes. have a warehouse in your backyard or are you drop shipping supplies? What kind of company was it? So uh, when we realized back in 2014 that we were drop shipping most of our products, we decided, oh, why don't we, it probably doesn't make sense to, you know, keep a big warehouse. So we scaled down to a very small warehouse that actually is in Whitensville, uh, Massachusetts. I'm up in New Hampshire now, and that serves us very well. We bring in a few specialty items that would be hard to get in the middle of the peak season. So we have those on board and ready to ship out when we need to, but for the most part, we're doing drop shipping. And I think you said it's fencing materials. It is. Yes. So uh, we have a lot of our clients are parks and recreation, New York city parks and recreation. We serve a lot of zoos. We have state parks that buy from us for various reasons. We have tanning companies who buy from us and use a certain one of our wire meshes to tan their lather on which I always find really fascinating because <laughs> when you said tanning, I thought a different kind of tanning. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, no, this is for tanning leather. And, um, and then we have companies who are building out fulfillment centers for the big box companies like Amazon. Really? They're using our wire mesh for various purposes for that. So a lot of different things that our wire mesh is uh, used for. We still have a lot of fencing companies that install the fencing in people's backyard, basically, or around their swimming pools. So, so you have the service component as well, then? We don't. We do not provide the service, but we have, we have a lot of fencing companies 
that buy from us. Okay. They do the installation. I see. So you together made the decision to bring this home. What was that like for you, that transition back then? Well, the, the whole aspect of closing out the warehouse was long and, and arduous because that warehouse had been there in that spot and in existence for, I think at that point, about 40 years, so you can imagine a lot of things that were in that warehouse that they had not sold in a long time, a long time. So the whole process of trying to decide what to do with some of these products that we knew that we couldn't sell, some things just needed to be uh, thrown away. But then there were others that we donated a lot of rolls of wire mesh to Habitat for Humanity. That's what I was thinking. They have those restores or something like that. Uh Yeah, they were very thrilled to take some of our product. And how did that work for you and your husband working together from home for that first year? It actually went really well. We had already had that period of three years together, you know, running the business together. And when we brought it home, the, our house, we had a full finished basement. I took over one office. He took over another office. I still had my lactation practice going in on in my front office. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, but that worked really well. And I, I did this crazy little thing uh, that I, I knew that Duncan could get really intense and focused and just stay like that for so long that he didn't get up and move and he didn't drink any water. So I set my alarm for every hour on the hour. And I got, I asked him if he minded, he said, no, 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 he was fine with this. And I would jump up when my alarm went off. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I would run into his office. He would stand up, we'd face each other, we'd hold hands and we would dance and we'd say, we'd say sexercise, sexercise, dance to the music. (laughs) I'm so glad you did that. (laughs) (laughs) And it just totally broke the, uh, well, it broke the monotony sometimes that you can, that rut that you can get into, especially when you're working from home, because you don't have, you know, two, three other people who are, you know, coming in and saying, I don't know what to do about this, or I don't know what to do about this, or just coming in to say hi and and joke around. So yeah, it it was fun. And and he thoroughly enjoyed it. (laughs) Oh, you're bringing tears to my eye. That's so sweet. And you brought him a glass of water. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. My husband and I both get to work from home. Well, right now, one or two days a week um, at the same time. And when he's here, he makes me breakfast often. Oh, That's his thing. I love that. And yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He likes to cook more, more than I do. Um, and then I try to remember to bring him something sometimes too, but he's usually better at it than I am. Oh. I, I need to tell him about the dancing thing though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. How long did you have the two work from home companies overlapping? Had you been doing the lactation stuff from home for 10 years? Yes. Yeah, so I started that business in 2004. So yes, I had been. And by that point, I had two other women who were working with me or alongside me and they were doing the bulk of the visits. I was basically only doing a visit if they were out of town or had overflow all the rest they were doing. And so I kept that running until that following. So that was in October that we brought the, the Louis Page business home. 
that following April is when Duncan got his cancer diagnosis. And then when we began to realize that we, I mean, we were told that it was good news, but then we began to sort of wonder about that. I think starting in July or August. And at that point, I, my, my tremendous worker, Aunt Jane, had decided to move away so that she could care for her um, aging mother. And I said at that point, I know there's, I, I can't run it by myself now. And it was, okay. you know, it was sad for me to say goodbye to it, but I felt like it was time. So you had a little bit of warning. You yes. knew that things were kind of changing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. In fact, I mean, as far as Duncan's life and the changes that were going on with that, we both made the decision. And I don't know that we ever really verbalized this to one another, but we made the decision that we were going to do everything we could possibly do that summer to have the best summer of our life. And, and we did, and we just, we spent so much time together. He relaxed completely about work and we just enjoyed that time. Lots of swimming and snorkeling and sailing and spending time with friends and family. And it was lovely. I mean, at that point, we, we didn't know that it was going to end up being a grim diagnosis. We didn't know that until September 16th, but Hmm. But yeah, we had a wonderful summer together. Did you have things set up so that other people could help you with the business while you were taking more time together? By that point, we had already gotten it to where we didn't have to work full time. We had been really decreasing our our hours every month or every quarter, maybe. And so we'd gotten to where we did not have to work full time anymore. And with this happening, you know, we, I just talked to Terry, who's really our right hand woman. And I just said, listen, we're going to take a lot of time off. And she said, do it, just take all the time off that you want. And we did. And, and so, and so, yeah, we had a wonderful summer and things still kept going on. And that's one of the beauties of, of owning your own business is learning how to back yourself out of the business so it can still run and you can still have an income but you don't necessarily have to be involved in the day-to-day operations. Mm -hmm. And then as things did progress, you were still home. So able to be a little bit closer to not having to commute and get in and out. Yes. But everything happened so quickly from that. His surgery was on September 8th, September 16th was when we got the grim diagnosis. And then he passed on October 24th. So we did not have very much time. That is a quick turnaround. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Um, well, where should we go from here? What are you doing now, right now? So now, so this is what, how my life began to really evolve after Duncan passed. It was in, I believe the fall of 2019 that I really started to feel this longing to get back to working with moms and babies. I said, ah, I really love moms and babies so much. What can I do? And I thought, well, I'll create an online breastfeeding course. So I began working on that. In the process of doing that, I met someone actually from New Zealand who asked me if I had met George Shepard. I said, no, I've never met him. And she said, well, he runs 360 summits. I scheduled a call with him. We got onto Zoom together. My whole purpose of that call was to say, hey, I'm creating this breastfeeding course. Can we use it for your pregnancy summit? And I said that to him. And then he said, well, I have a proposal for you. And I said, what's that? And he said, why don't you start running my mom's summits? And I was like, 
oh my goodness. I said, I would love to do that. And so that's how that came about. And it has been quite the learning curve. And yet it's been one of the most amazing things that I've ever done. And in a sense, it's been one of the most brilliant things I've done from the standpoint that I never realized how much I love interviewing people. I didn't know that. I mean, I have one situation in my life. I don't know if I'd mentioned this to you earlier, but I took journalism all through junior high and high school. And my journalism teacher in eighth grade, Mrs. Humphreys, sent me out on an assignment to interview one of the teachers. And I was totally intimidated. I mean, I was such an introvert and I was so shy and I was so timid. I was an excellent student, but I was super shy and timid. So I go and I, I do this little interview and then I come back to Mrs. Humphreys and, and I, I, here it is. And she looked at it and she said, well, you didn't get any information at all. Nobody's <laughs> going to learn anything from what you did. I was mortified, totally mortified. She said, you go right back and you, you get more information. Well, I remember thinking this is it. I will never interview anybody else again in my whole life. <laughs> well, that's all changed. <laughs> oh. I didn't really know how you can make a job out of interviewing people. And it's so funny because I talked with one of my guests last summer um, and I told her, I think after we finished recording, I'm like, I just wish I could make money interviewing people. The podcast currently, you know, is not, it's, it's more like my hobby right now. Right. Uh -huh. And, um, she's like, well, I do like a two hour interview with all of my clients for their resumes. You would probably really enjoy that. And over the course of the year, uh -huh. <laughs> I started doing side work for her. Oh. And, um, I think I interviewed her and then I hired her to write my resume about how I could be a resume writer. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's wonderful. And then she hired me to work with her. So that's really been fun. And I get to do like a two hour interview with people. So these are usually about an hour, which I just love. Uh, like for me, it's yeah. just conversation, but I'm looking at your bio that you sent in to me and it says she never meets a stranger. <laughs> so you're not, do you, do you still consider yourself as an introvert? I would consider myself an extroverted introvert. And the way that I know that I'm an introvert is not because I can't carry on a conversation or strike up a conversation with a stranger. I do it all the time but it's because of how tired I get yep. when I've, I've talked to a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I've met a few of these, <laughs> but you know, I'm at the grocery store. I'll talk to the person behind me. If they're not interested, I'll talk to the cashier. I, you know, I, and I'm always trying to find something that I can point out to, to the person I'm talking to that, that I really like about them. I learned the skill from my mom. She's pretty much the best at that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even when she was going through her own cancer and was extremely sick, oh, you would sorry. still see her, you know, Oh, I like your brooch. Can you tell me oh. where did you get that? Or just, you know, a little, a little way. And then next thing you know, these people are full-blown telling their entire life story to my mom in the grocery store, in the bank. It's um, so true. People really want to talk. And they're oftentimes not given that opportunity because most people don't care about the other person. They just want to talk about themselves. And so if we're the ones that are stimulating that conversation, it can really open the door for someone. You 
can usually sense if someone's open to it or not, you know, it'll get shut down or it'll open up. Yes. Um, when my mom was going through her cancer treatments, uh, my dad generally wasn't, my stepdad wasn't generally able to go with her to the appointments because they did have a lot of children still at home and minors. Um, I'm the oldest of 10 kids. And so, uh, when I was 25, my mom had the youngest, my youngest sister. Oh my goodness. And, um, and so my mom generally went to these appointments by herself because, you know, my dad was working or, you know, was taking kids to sports and all the other things that they did. Uh And my mom just looked at it as part of her adventure. You know, who am I going to meet today? And she did like, she would, you know, talk with other people in the waiting room. And I think she, even though she did, I was far away. I lived like nine hours away, so I couldn't go, um, until, until I needed to kind of thing. Uh Um, and yeah, still to this day, she, you know, just finds, finds little ways to, to make connections. It's really cool. They live in a small town. And so it is really easy to get to know the people too. Oh, sure. Yes. Now you did mention that you are still running your husband's business, um, your business together that you had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but how much are you, how are you dividing your, your work week? So I spend probably about 10 hours a week on that business. Sometimes it's more depending uh, early, late, well, yeah, winter and early spring, we're oftentimes are always getting price increases from our vendors. And that's more time consuming to get those kinds of things done. And I still do those, even though I say to myself, it's time to delegate, it's time to delegate. But I've, I've that's one thing that's been hard for me to let go of because it's only once a year, typically, that that has to be done. So, but I have recently hired an assistant that I think I'm going to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to train you how to do this. And by January, February, you're going to, you're going to know how to do it. And you're going to be able to do it. And I won't be able to have to do it anymore. So they have more time for this other stuff. So I you're know. leading the mom's summit for this. You'll have to remind me his name again, George. So George Shepard is the owner and the founder of 360 Summits. And so we together have created the Inspired Mom Summit. I do all the hosting and part his team helps me uh, find my speakers. I find a lot of them on my own, but he, his team really helps me with that. And then I do all the interviewing. And how many speakers are we talking about? Well, let's see. I think for November, did I have... What did I have? 20, 24, something like that, maybe. And for this one coming up, oh my goodness, I all of a sudden so many more people have come on board that want to be on the summit. I think I'm probably up to 30 speakers for this summit. Excellent. And that's how we got connected as someone. Yes. And it was kind of a random connection because I attended a speaker's playhouse basically a zoom meeting with some people, um, who are looking to be on stages or looking for people to be on their stages. And it was uh-huh. just kind of a meet and greet. And on Thanksgiving day, I think we oh were like cooking God. Turkey. And I was like, are you actually going to have the meeting on Thanksgiving? And she's like, you bet we are. It's international. And I think I must've just met this woman in a breakout meeting. Um, randomly, you know, yeah. assigned or something like that. And in those few minutes that we had to discuss, you know, she, She's like, I'm going to give your name to Debbie. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, yes. And then you see, so my mother passed last September 
And that actually took a lot of my time. I spent of her last 16 weeks on this earth. I spent 11 of those weeks with her. Okay. And, and so, and then there was time after that, that I spent with my sister who had been living with mom. Mm. So I sort of just felt like, I, I don't think I realized it at the time, but then when I was able to look back, I said, oh my goodness, I just sort of faded out of existence for a while, but it took me time. I mean, I was really tired from all the traveling because she lived in North Carolina. I live in New Hampshire. It's a lot of traveling back and forth. So it just took me some time to, you know, sort of emerge again and say, okay, I'm, I'm back and let's get this going. Cause and I came really out hoped- of that. Go ahead. Yeah. I had hoped to have a summit in the spring, but then I just realized in January, nope, I don't think that's going to happen. So, and what style of summit is it? So, well, it's definitely a virtual summit. It's a global summit. It's my whole purpose of the summit is to inspire women to become the very best version of themselves that they can. I say women, but moms in particular. And most of the women who tune in have children between the ages of two or three or or 13, up to 13. They may have a baby in tow, or they may have, you know, an older teenager, but most of them are going to have children in that age range. And So, and I divide the summit into three sections. I have a section where my speakers are all going to speak about self-care for mom, as well as mindset, because I think you can't really have one without the other in a sense. And then we have a whole section on different issues that you face as a parent. And then we have a section on business and do you want to start your own business? Do you want to work from home, but work for a different company, which is the, what you're bringing to the table, which is really beautiful. I love it. And um, yeah, so it really empowering women, you know, you don't have to um, feel stuck being at home with your children, whether you're working nine to five or you're stay at home mom, you still can feel stuck because oftentimes it's hard to make time to do anything for yourself. It's really even harder to make time to get back in touch with any dreams that you have or allow your mind to start dreaming again. So I really want to help these women get beyond all of that. About what percentage of the women that attend your summit are stay at home parent versus working parent? You know, that is a statistic that we have not traced and or tracked. And so I'm not positive about that. I I don't know. So, but it it is, I do think that's a good statistic to try. That'd be, that'd be something interesting to find out. It really would be. Alrighty. So which you said that I will be speaking on the business side or the, what was the second one that you said? So the second one or the, so the, the issues that you face as parents Mm -hmm. and the first one is self-care and mindset. So I'm going to have you speak on the business side of things. Okay. I can do that. I will be there. (laughs) Well, you certainly have a lot of experience. We're actually going to be recording my session on the first day of school. Oh, is it really? The cool part is that since you're East Coast, uh, it's 5 a.m. for me and I can get up and do this whole thing and still be able to help my husband make pancakes for the kids before school starts. Oh, oh, that's lovely. (laughs) So sometimes as a working mom, um, working a little bit of an alternative schedule can really be helpful as far as with little kids. Cause oh. I've, I've actually been able to do a lot of my working hours throughout their whole life while they were sleeping. 
Okay. And then still be able to do like drop off and pick up and things like that for school. Well, you might get a kick out of this years and years ago, this would have been in the eighties. My good friend, Elaine and I, we said, well, we want to figure out a way we can work from home. Now this is pre computer, no cell phone. (laughs) Yes. And we're trying to figure out a way to work from home. So we're getting magazines and we're looking in the, you guys I know what you don't even know. What I know what is. you're talking about in the way, way back. Yeah. And the way, the way back tidy is like five font or, you yeah, know, five work, work from home, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And so she sent in one and I sent in one and my package arrived and I had these little plastic bags full of the tiniest little beads that you can imagine. And my job was supposed to, this is like Lucy and Ethel. My job was like to take a needle and thread and start to thread these little beads together. And I tell you what, we're working and working and working. The kids are in school and we, we look at how much time has gone by and we have hardly gotten anything accomplished. And she said, aren't we being paid by the item? I said, I said, She said, I think we just made 25 cents. Oh, (laughs) so that was, that did not live very long. You're like, no, thanks. Oh, were you supposed to be counting the beads or actually starting to make jewelry? I think we were making jewelry with them. That was long before you could just go to a little shop and they buy beads and, you know, and and make jewelry. People weren't doing it then. And I feel like they called those little tiny ones, like the Indian seed beads or something like that. I think you're right. Yes. Seed beads. Uh Um, yeah, I used to try to make jewelry when I was about 13 with some of those and it was pretty labor intensive. (laughs) My mom did the thing where she was, um, she was working night shift when she was a nurse, um, when I was a baby and my dad was working days and she had a two-year-old me, um, between her legs and she would sleep for the one hour that Sesame street and Mr. Rogers would play twice a day. So she'd get a one hour nap with a two-year-old between her knees (laughs) And then she was trying to stuff envelopes. She did one of those, like, let me just try to make a little extra money because they got married when they were when she was 19. And so they're just, you know, trying to get, you know, through nursing school and get through all of the, um, you know, I think she was working night shift at like a diner, like country kitchen or whatever those were called. Um, overnight restaurants, like IHOP kind of thing. Uh And she said that she tried stuffing envelopes and that would just not be worth your not a minute, you know, I know, definitely not. No, I feel like there's still a lot of jobs out there like that for people that want to work from home. Um, that will definitely undercut, you know, what we're minimum wage would be even, um, but a lot of people will take them because it's $9 an hour, but I can at least, you know, be home. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's, that's a hard thing. We can talk about that when we do the summit though. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so are you going to, be able to, um, I know you were supporting the women and their babies with the lactation consulting. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that you're supporting these women now with the summit? I know that you're doing a pre-recorded interview with some of these people. So do you have interaction with the moms and babies too? So I don't. And so the uh, plan, one of the goals is to take the email list and start to establish a connection with the moms mm. email. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually doing a lot of studying right now on best practices for email because I want I want to do it well and I and I really want to be able to 
share my personality and let people get to know me so that they feel that they can trust me. And then I feel like, so, and one of the things I'm going to do is have um, like a workshop that I would open up and it would, we'll probably talk for about an hour or something like that. And then I'll open it up to questions. And that way I can learn even more about these women and what is it that they really want? What do they need? How can I help them? I feel like even having my children in the last, my youngest is seven now. Well, she's turning seven next month. Um, but I, I look at women that are having babies right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like things have already changed. Like when my mom was having 10 kids over the course of 25 years, the parenting advice every five or 10 years would change, you know, put the baby to sleep on their back, put the baby to sleep on the side, put the baby to sleep on their stomach uh-huh. and, you know, car seat rules and laws and everything oh, just changing yeah. and changing and changing. And I look at these new moms now and I'm like, I don't even know if I have a lot to offer right now because I feel like, you know, some things are timeless, obviously. Um, and other things like new products are out and, you know, just different methods of things. Um, the peaceful parenting stuff wasn't really widely known or available back when I was, you know, starting my family. And it's Uh just interesting to see how many new cool things are always emerging. Definitely a lot of new products on the market and and apps. I mean, we Mm -hmm. didn't have cell phones, of course, when I was raising my children. And certainly, of course, we didn't have apps. And now apps are used by almost everybody every single day. And oftentimes, many times during the day. I, um, you know, a lot of times women, when they're breastfeeding, if they're breastfeeding, have the phone in their hand and are researching and researching and like all of the Kelly mom stuff and all of the advice and, you know, to sleep method this way, to sleep method that way. Uh Um, you know, all of the things I feel like we have almost more anxiety as parents in some ways, because we have so much information and so many opinions. It's, it's hard. Oh, I think you're completely right. And what I see is a lot of chaos, a lot of overwhelm and a lot of anxiety, and there's not that calmness. There's not that confidence and everybody in the family suffers as a result of it. And moms burn out so often. It's so funny. I have an example from today. You ready? Okay. So uh, I think it was Thursday last week. We were at the library. We have a pretty interesting library that has a nice sized children's section. It's probably almost half of the building and it's a large building. And we were there and we were just getting ready to leave. And a friend walked in. My son has um, one of the boys in his class and my younger daughter has the girl in her class. And so it was like one of those families that two of their kids matched up with two of our uh-huh. kids. Their only two children matched up with two of our three. Okay. And we're like, okay, we'll just stay for a little while. Why don't you go say hi to your friends? And um, my, you know, the older boy, he's 10. He's kind of like moping around like, I don't want to say hi and oh, come on, you know, uh-huh. and the girls are just having a great time. And so I talked with mom and I said, let's do a play date. Uh, let's maybe get the boys together to play video games. That's not usually how I parent, but you know, I I need to know what his interests are. And I feel like Mm -hmm. if they played some games together, cause the boy had never played, or he had barely ever played Minecraft. Oh, okay. If, if they could play Minecraft together, maybe that'll give them something to talk about while they're at school because they can't play games at school. And so the mom is like, sure, we'll, we'll come. And we talked about coming on Monday. And I realized this morning at about 1036 AM that we had never confirmed the time. Okay. And I needed to have my kids somewhere at one o'clock. And so I texted her and I called her and I was like, can you come right now? 
<laughs> and so I was like, please don't look at my piles of laundry. Please don't look at the stacks of exploding school supplies on our kitchen table. Just come. <laughs> and we are what we are, you know? Uh-huh. And yeah. the whole time, she's so gracious. The oh. kids all had fun. I felt like a frazzled mess. And I think we just compare ourselves so much to what we see on Pinterest or, you know, whatever the Mm -hmm. Instagram is, you know, of today. And, um, you know, I've been in a lot of homes of other people in our community and a lot of them are bigger and cleaner and less cluttered than mine. Mm -hmm. And I just was feeling, you know, that stress. And I told her, I said, you know what, for years and years, I've been saying, I'm not a Pinterest mom. I'm a hot mess mom. (laughs) (laughs) and I'm trying to make a pizza for the kids. Right. I mean, it's like, let's just throw a frozen pizza, two frozen pizzas into the oven. And I didn't hear the timer go off. And so then they got extra crispy (laughs) and I'm like, and we still have to be somewhere at one o'clock. And so I'm like, here, kids, here's some scalding hot lava pizza. Um, (laughs) Eat it fast. So we can all go. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I sent her a text afterward. And I was just like, I'm so glad you came. And I'm so uh-huh. glad the kids had fun and you saw me in the, you know, the height of my hot messness. Oh, well, <laughs> and she's like, yes. we all had fun. And, and you weren't um, being real. You weren't yeah. trying to hide anything. I'm like just cutting apples and giving kids blobs of peanut butter. I'm like, you're not allergic, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's how like the moms of the eighties maybe did things, but they didn't have that, like that comparison thing. Didn't. No. That compare and despair that I, even me at my age, and I am raising no children at this point, but I'm spending a lot of time with my grandchildren. I have to really be very careful with going on to Pinterest and to Facebook because I look at something and I'll find myself being jealous and say, well, I wish my house looked like that or <laughs> I wish we had a family portrait like that. All, yeah. Everybody all dressed in white at the beach. Oh I mean, my gosh. Right. <laughs> I can't even get my kids to look at the camera. And I was a photographer. I, I start making poop jokes and like promising ice cream within about five seconds because I mean, how do people do it? <laughs> so, no, I remember years ago reading this funny article that it was in something like maybe better homes and garden. I don't know. But anyway, this mother had written in and said that for years she had dreamed about the ideal Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to have children because our Christmases are just going to be like this and this and this and this. (laughs) And she said, we sat down for our Christmas dinner and I looked over there and she said, one of the kids was burning green beans over the flame of the candle. (laughs) <laughs> she said, I realized at this, that moment, this is not better homes and gardens. <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's the behind the scenes stuff. I think that we can relate with, even with those photo shoots, I'm sure there's, a, I mean, I love it when people on TikTok or whatever, you know, they do their beautiful, like transformation. This is the before and the after, uh-huh. and then they turn the camera and they show you what's happening behind the scenes. And oh. it's just a disaster. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I'm going to have to look for that. That's- I'll try to see if I can find one for you. But yeah. is, it's nice. And then every once in a while, I'm in a mom group. And every once in a while, so I'm going to be like, just to help me feel better. Could you guys show me your messy room? You know, and people oh. just take a picture of their cluttered craziness. You know, yeah. like the kids exploded in the house, like uh-huh. all of these things. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not. I, I appreciate that. I just really do. I'm in my closet right now, which is my office. And you can only see my blue curtain 
but I can see everything else. (laughs) And now that I'm not teaching full-time in here, like I had been for four years, I am going to be able to slowly start to take some of it out. Um, I had a lot of like teaching supplies for little kids and that's not really who I'm teaching right now. I'm teaching adults. Okay. So I don't need most of this, but you know, I live by myself and I'm amazed sometimes at the explosions I cause. Really? (laughs) Yes. And I've always thought of myself as being organized and neat. And, and yet you should have seen me when I was getting ready for my trip for, I, I was going to uh, South Carolina for the winter. And it's the first time I'd ever left home to go away for, you know, 10 weeks. Oh, wow. Oh my word. You would have thought a bomb went off in that room. I mean, it just, because I was like <laughs> a pile of this and a pile of this and a pile of this. And do I need this? And do I need, oh yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> my granddaughter would come over and she's only three and she'd go, Mimi, what's, what's all this? <laughs> so I'm curious. Cause my husband likes to clean the house before we go on a trip so that we can come back to a clean house. That's not how I operate. Okay. So how do you operate? I do like to have it completely clean by the time I leave. And I've, in fact, I even had someone cl- clean the house, literally, you know, come before I got back. Good. So that it was cl- really clean when I that's, got back. That's awesome. We just did a three week trip and we were hoping to leave at about 8 a.m., I think was our goal. Mm-hmm. Ideally, we would have left at about 6 30. And I think we finally ran out of town at about noon. Oh. So we got. We, were, we left the house four hours later than we wanted to, but then we still had like an hour and a half of errands to run in town. So oh let's just say God. I didn't clean the house before we left. Oh, I was no, the last person good. packing. So, you know, I'm really good at helping the kids get their stuff together. And then you leave yours for the last, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> were you also working from, did you say you went to South I Carolina? Was. I went to South Carolina. As long as I have internet connection and my laptop and my phone with me, then I can work from anywhere. I don't even have to really have my phone because I can make my phone calls through my laptop if I want to. Do you have but, someone that helps you with a call service to answer most of your incoming calls? As far as this, the uh, Louis Page business, yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we tap into a lot of things like that to you know, streamline what we're doing. So it sounds like you have some employees for that, the Louis uh-huh. Page, but you also have a team that helps you with the summit things. I do. Yes, I do. And I, and then I also have my own assistant who helps me with the summit. Wow. Okay. So with the scheduling and I'd like to hear about what kinds of tools you use for communication. Okay. And do you do like live meetings, like face-to-face, like zoom or whatever, or do you do everything asynchronous? So, um, with the, the team who was helping me find speakers for the summit that mostly was all done just by email. Okay. And that was through the 360 summits. Right. So rarely did we do, I think we jumped on a call at the very beginning, a zoom call at the very beginning of starting this process. And then again, maybe about a month ago, we, we jumped on a zoom call just to see how things were going. And then does he have as, his own team that's helping does. you? Yes, okay. he does. Mm-hmm. So that's super helpful for me. And, and then for, as far as my own assistant, we mostly do all of our communication through Facebook messenger. Mm-hmm that works well for her. And that's totally fine with me. And when needed, we'll jump on a zoom call, but we don't need to do that too often. Yep. 
Uh, I will forward emails to her and, but most of our communication is actually done, you know, through messenger mm -hmm. and that works very well. I use Calendly mm -hmm. as my calendar system. And so she's able to, mostly what we like to do is to send the calendar link to whomever I want to have an appointment with yep. and let them schedule it directly through the, through Calendly. But she can do that too, if she needs to. I did that twice with you for this. Okay. Cause we did it this morning. We, you yes. had your meeting with me and then I'm having my meeting with you. Um, what I liked about the Calendly that I haven't never implemented what we use, um, acuity scheduling, which okay. is now I think Squarespace scheduling or something oh, different okay. now. Um, the, the text message reminders. Oh, because I think when I made this appointment, I was like, oh yeah, sure. I can take a text message reminder. And then it told me one hour ahead and then 16 or 30, 15 minutes ahead uh -huh. um, to remind me about this. And I was like, that's a cool feature. That I always check that off. If I've signed up for something that allows that, because I like text messages that I can see those really quickly, you know, and I, and so I like those. Yeah. And then you also have your employee for the Louis E. Page business. Uh -huh. How yeah. do you communicate with them? So uh, I have I have Terry and I have Jeff and I have Mary and Susan does some work as well. And so it depends um, mostly with Jeff and Terry as far as a daily basis, it would be through email. But Terry and I jump on calls together at least once a week. And if she runs into any type of problem that she can't solve herself. We usually always do that via uh, phone. She does not like zoom. She didn't mm -hmm. like the video aspect mm -hmm. of it. And mm -hmm. that's okay with me. So we, but you know, I have my phone system through the computer. So, which is really lovely because then I can have the phone, you know, going on through the computer and I can still be opening up all of our software and looking at what she's, you know, needs to point me to. Do you use like a headset or something so you could be hands-free then? It's hands-free just because it's through the computer and I have my microphone and so mm -hmm. it's all hands-free. What phone system are you using? I just had to add a new phone system to my computer for some of the other interviews that I do. This is eight by eight. Yeah. That's what I'm learning. Is it? It's okay. a little bit of a learning, learning, curve. Yeah. <laughs> learning we've, curve. We've used it since 2012 and they've, they've changed quite a lot through the years when I first started with them. Literally, I could pick up the phone and call them, get a live person. Okay. Any point I wanted to, it's not that easy now. I see. But, um, but yeah, I love their system. It's worked incredibly well for us. Do you record calls too, or do you usually, do you use the video aspect? So we were going to, we, for a while, long time, actually, we did record calls, but we can't do that and be compliant because we take credit cards over the phone. So you can't record a call unless they they can do the, like the white noise type of thing to block it out. But, oh, I see. It's just, it's just much cleaner if I just don't record the calls anymore. Okay. But that's only because of the credit card. Only because of that. Yes. Okay. Because I think the state that I live in, we can do um, a one person agreement or however they call it. There's, there's two way and one way, I think agreements for recording calls, but of course we would always disclose. Yes. Uh -huh. If we were, I usually just say it's because I need to be able to listen to this again. And I make yes. a transcript from our recording so that I could easily hunt for the keywords that we talked about. 
Okay. It helps yeah. me with writing my show notes for, um, for the podcast, if I'm doing a, re- a transcript for, from the interview, but, um, we haven't found it helpful to transcribe the entire interview anymore, just because oh, okay. there's too much manpower needed for that to get it uh, accurate from a, even a AI assisted, uh, thing. Oh, do you do oh, any transcripts for I your summit? You. I use, well, so the transcriptions, they 360 summits handles that's for that nice. For- but if I'm transcribing things, which I do transcribe a lot of things, I use rev.com. Mm-hmm. And, I and you pay them to do it or do they, do you do the auto? So I do the recording and then I just load it up or I record while I, I have re, the rev record going while mm-hmm. I'm listening to something or saying something. And then I always choose the AI transcription because it's much more economical to do that. Yes. And I've found it to work very well. Wow. I I did my whole book. Well, no, that's not true. I take that back. I no, that's no, I started, I thought I was going to do my whole book that way. And then decided because I was mostly handwriting my book, it was easier for me just to use someone on Fiverr. And I just took pictures and, and then passed them on to her and then she described it from there. Oh, wow. So she looked at your handwritten notes from like a notebook or a journal. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it took her a little bit of time to get more familiar with my handwriting, but once she did, oh my goodness, her work was incredible. She That's rarely really cool. ever made a mistake. And because I was, you know, just randomly checking to see. And when she made a mistake, it was usually when I'm looking at, it, I'm like, well, what word did I really mean there? Uh-huh. <laughs> so no wonder she didn't know. So you do the transcription for what kind of aspect for your summit? So no, so I don't. So the transcription that I mainly have been doing is because I've been writing the book. Okay. That's mainly what I use it for. Sometimes I will, if I'm listening to something and I want a transcription, I mean, with YouTube, you can get a transcription, you know, right there in YouTube. But if I want a transcription of something, for instance, when I'm on my coaching call with somebody, when, when I'm being coached, then I will uh, record it and transcribe it because I really want to be able to go back and look at everything that you know, mm-hmm. coach has said to me. I've been using Otter AI for the last okay, couple yep. of years, uh-huh. but it's, it's okay. Like I, it still needs a lot of help. Okay. Um, it is a little bit tricky when you've got two people talking and talking fast. Oh. Um, when I was doing medical transcription for 17 years uh, for Mayo Clinic, we used a lot of um, voice recognition software as well, but it would have time to learn the voices over time. And okay. you'd, you'd comp- you know, continue to do the same person again and again, and it gets uh-huh. to know their voice over time. So, um, you know, when you have a new guest every single time and you're interrupting each other oh. and talking over each other, it's different. And yes. so it kicked my butt when I was going to try to start transcribing my own. I was like, this is more work <laughs> than I, I already was there. I already know what I said and I still yes. can't keep up. So, um, I, I have used it more as a resource, um, because then I have the rough transcript in front of me and then I can still listen to the parts okay, all right. that I need clarification on. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Which helps. Uh-huh. Tell yeah. us about your book. I want to know all about it. So I, I decided in February that it was time for me to write a book and I just felt this real, um, compelling to do, I felt it compelling to do this. And so I decided that I would give myself, I sort of gamified it. And I would say, okay, you're going to write 200 words every day. 
Well, no, you're going to write 500 words every day or whatever. I, I would change it throughout the week sometimes. And then I'd come to a weekend and maybe I didn't have anything planned for that Saturday. So I'd say, okay, Saturday, you're going to write 2000 words. So I, but I just got into that habit of disciplining myself to sit down and write. Now I do have a friend who does all of his books by recording them. He walks and talks and that's how he writes his books. I've tried that. I can do it to some degree, but I find that for me, writing in my journal is my best method for, for writing my book. So I got my book written. I wrote it over, let's see, February, March, April. Um, maybe I went into a little bit of May. And then it was recommended to me that I read A.J. Harper's book, Write a Must Read. And for anybody writing a book, I absolutely recommend that book. She's tremendous. I'm listening to both the Audible and, and I'm reading it in Kindle. And I'm pretty sure she's the one that's recording it. And her voice is to me just delightful. You just get this, all these nuances and, and she's brilliant with writing books. She was a ghostwriter for many years before she started teaching other people how to write books. And I have loved that. And I've, it's, she's also taught me that it's fine to slow down and that, and I've realized that maybe what I've actually written, written is my healing draft, but it brought about so much healing for me. It was so cathartic because I was able to talk about the loss of Duncan. I was able to talk about the loss of my mother, all of which I felt like was important to bring out in the book to some degree. And so, yes, it's been very good for me. And I am now in the process of editing it. That is the work. For me, the writing is a breeze. Just like blah, blah, blah. You know, mm -hmm. I can write, write, write. But the editing, oh, it takes discipline. And the book that you just read, did it change your perspective on how to go about that? It's to some degree, yes, it did. And, um, and I am learning that for me, I, I realized that if I had been editing a little bit as I was going along, that I think that would have been easier for me because now it's, I've got a lot of pages to edit. So, and then it was time to, to pull together everything for the summit. So I, I put it on the back burner. I said, that's fine. I'll revisit it in September probably. So after you've got the summit gone, done, Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll mm -hmm. continue the editing process. When do you think you'll be able to launch your book? So my plan is to launch it around the same time as the summit. Now that's, that is the plan right now. So we'll see, we shall see how September goes because now my daughter has moved to Austin and she's saying, mom, come in September to visit me. And, and I, because I get so excited when I have people around me, I live by myself. It's easy for me to do things when I'm by myself, but when I have people around me, I'm like, Oh, I want to spend time with the grandbabies and I want to do this, but she'll still be working. Uh, and the, and the girls want the oldest one will be in school and one will be in daycare. So it still will give me time to. So you'll have just enough time with everybody. And how do you get into a good rhythm? So for me, I have found that well, as far as writing, writing first thing in the morning. So I start my mornings off with meditation and that's depending on what time I've gotten up. Now I, I like to not sleep past five o'clock, but if I get myself up earlier than that, depending on what time I went to bed, I I'll either do a 25 minute meditation or a 45 minute meditation. So that starts my morning. And then I pick up my journal and I start to write. And I do 
the beginning, I just do free writing. I just has nothing to do with my book. It's there are things that I write down on the right side of my journal every single morning. And there's things I write down on the left side every single morning. And I laugh sometimes I think, you know, when I, when I pass away from this world and my kids are looking at the journal, they're going, Oh my gosh, she wrote our names down every single day. And I do, I write my kids' name and all my grandchildren's name. So basically any person's name who comes to mind while I'm doing this free, free writing, I write them on the left side. And because it's that whole thing. Oh, I cannot remember the woman's name who said to, she, it's called morning pages. Hmm. That's when I began to realize how important and, and started the practice of morning pages where I do, I, where I write and uh, like Jerry Seinfeld learned from this woman and w- writes his three morning pages every day, but, and it's basically just emptying my mind so that then I'm ready to start writing more creatively. You sound a little bit more of a morning person than I am. (laughs) I woke up at 5 a.m. to meet with you, and then I went back to bed. Oh, well, good for you. (laughs) I a nap this afternoon. (laughs) It was nice. Oh, I often, um, well, I worked the third shift and like all these wonky hours for basically 13 years, and I felt so sleep deprived that I'm trying to be a little bit more protective of my sleep, but I'm very willing to wake up early. Um, for us, you know, occasion like that, just yeah. so that I can, you know, have all the internet to myself <laughs> and not have to share oh. bandwidth with anyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, are you also using your journals for time management or planning? Well, I have a whole different planner that I use for time management and it's a big thing. I've got it over here, but, and so in the mornings, um, what I do after I have so after I do my, well, this is crazy. You want me to tell you the routine? Actually? I want to hear all about okay. it, please. All right. So I do the meditation. Then I do the, the free writing that doesn't take a real long time. And then I have reading, reading that I do. And then I, um, I do my three minute hit. So, and I, so in that three minute hit, I'm doing, um, 60 squats and some other things too. So oh, I, yeah, wow. I do 120 squats a day. So good for you. I have never heard of this. Oh, did you gosh. have to work up to that? Yes, I did. Definitely had to work up to that. And I've had to work to getting the squat lower or deeper. But then after I do that, I take a two to three minute warm shower and then I flip the water to cold and I stay in the cold water for four minutes. Oh, I know most people are like, oh, that just sounds awful. I just I've felt got- like this whole shudder go through my body. I used to rinse my hair in cold water, but that's it. Well, I've gotten so used to it now that I miss it. If I don't do it, tell me why, why do I do it? Because it's super good for your immune system and it lowers your blood pressure. And the main reason I do it though, is if I say to myself, if you can discipline yourself enough to take a cold shower, you can do anything you want to the rest of the day. Wow. I have taken some well for me very cold showers. Um, when I was up in the mountains, of the Andes mountains in Peru. Oh, I can't imagine how cold that it was like ice. It was like taking an ice shower, (laughs) but here in Arizona in the summertime, you can't even get cold. Oh, like the water that comes out of the cold tap is pretty warm. Okay. Like you're washing your clothes and kind of warm water. (laughs) Okay. Cause I have a well, 
So mm-hmm. I'm getting water that's coming up from deep, but my good friend does ice baths instead of a cold shower. And that's what I really want to work into, except that I don't have an ice maker and I don't want to go out and buy bags of ice. But I thought last week I said, well, what if on Saturdays, when you go to the store, you buy three bags of ice and you do it just once a week? <laughs> I am just shaking my head. <laughs> I mean, you do you. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. I know it's totally crazy. I'll have to look into some of the health benefits of this. So I am intrigued, but I don't think I would purchase ice to put myself into because I one time did a um a research study for a Mayo Clinic. They paid uh-huh. me to undergo different kinds of stress. And one of them was you stick your hand in a bucket of ice water for I think it was five minutes. It's literally torture. <laughs> and you're putting your yes. whole body in. Um they did like a psychological one where they it was supposed to read the color. I was supposed to say the name of the color of the word that I saw on the screen, uh-huh. but the color was different from the word that was written. Oh. So like, it was like a, a pink font, but it would say black and you're supposed to say oh. pink, but not black. And there was also a voice coming out of the speaker of the computer in front of me that was saying a different color, like green. And then the doctor is standing over your shoulder saying, you have to be faster. You have to be more accurate. You know, like basically just trying to psych you out. Yes. Um, and I got paid to undergo this, but it, and I was hooked up to like a blood pressure, you know, monitor or something Uh like, um, I think they even have like a, is it not arterial, but radial one. Oh, they had a radio. I think so. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Okay. All right. Okay. Is that right? Is that oh, the right word? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. So not just the pulse oximeter. You know, no, it was that. like, it was in it's my vein. In your vein. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be arterial. Definitely not. What's arterial. the other one? But the radial vein, they, they could have had a line in that. Yes. That's so. what they did. Okay. So that was very intense. And I don't generally put myself into those kinds of situations on purpose. <laughs> I have noticed that it, it really decreases my anxiety. Really? Okay. Now I'm on board. Yes. And I was dealing with some neck pain for a while and that it makes a big difference to do a cold shower. If I have neck pain, that's good for me to know too. I deal with that. I got prime day was just the other day and I got one of those on um, my chiropractor, uh, uses like first physical therapy, one of those, like basically a massage gun. Yes. Um, yes. and I paid $70 for one that was supposedly $300, but I had no idea if it would be worth its weight. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it really was like, it's really powerful. And my 11 year old can help me and I already oh, feel better. So I might oh, not have good. to pay for as many massages as I have had to in the last, last couple of years. Oh. Okay. I'm listening. I'm listening. Oh, so, so oh, I didn't finish my routine though. Oh, oh my goodness. Keep going. Cause after that shower, then I do 45 minutes of exercise. In addition to the squats that you just did. Uh-huh. Well, the squats, I do all that in three minutes. So that's fast, but I do exercises specifically for posture. So I do, uh, in yoga, some, a little bit of yoga, a little bit of Pilates and, um, yeah, so I do all that. And then I feel like a million dollars when I start my start my day. So it's after I get all that done that I sit down with my planner. That's how this all came about. And on my planner, it, I, then it's a very detailed planner and it says, you know, who do I want to be today? And I actually put down who I want to be today. You know, how do I want to show up? Uh, What people do I want to connect with? What person do I want to show gratitude for? And all of that 
in addition to, you know, up at 5 a.m., you know, coffee at eight or whatever, you know, all of that that gets written down on the planner. But it has these specific questions to help me evaluate myself pre-day and then at the end of the day. And when you say who you want to be that day, are you talking about like character qualities? Like I want to be a powerhouse today. I want to be empathetic today, or I want to be Abraham Lincoln today. <laughs> Whatever I decide to write. So okay. some days I'll write, I am bold today. Um, and, and then I'll say, why did I choose that word even? You know, why did I choose it? And I'll say, well, because I've got this, I need to get done today. And I am feeling some fear about doing this. Mm-hmm. So I need to be bold. With okay. What I'm doing. So it's <laughs> like stating your intentions. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And how long do you spend on your planner then? I, I usually about 10 minutes, not that long, uh, because I feel like I need to get through it. Um, so yeah, usually about 10 minutes. And, and that's when I sit down with my cup of coffee. So because I'm having my coffee at the same time, if, if this lingers on to be 15 minutes or so that I don't, I don't sweat that. I just, you know, let it take a little bit longer if I want it to. And then it looks as though from my experience of booking with you that you start having sometimes your calendar open up for meetings starting at eight 30. That's not my common, not That's- normal. Typically, I don't want to have any type of a meeting before 930 because that gives me plenty of time to do my morning routine and to enjoy coffee and not feel like I'm stressed and to water my plants, you know, which in the summertime are the ones on the deck I'm watering every day. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so it gives me time for things like that. And then do you have many breaks in your day or do you just go, go, go until because I know that we started this meeting tonight at like six o'clock for you on Eastern time. Yes, but I have many breaks throughout the day. I usually don't go more than about 45 to 50 minutes without getting up and moving around and Mm -hmm. doing anything that, you know, to exercise, go outside for a little walk around the house. Um, Nothing great shakes at all. I mean, I, I am in the process of incorporating a, another hit in the middle of the day, but I haven't completely conquered that as far as getting that done every day. But yeah, just, I I feel like it's super important to move the body and to re-energize and to do some breathing. You mentioned well, so does that mean that you're in a more rural area or on the edge of town? So I live in a small town of 932 people. I think it's Mm -hmm. not a very big town and all of us have well water. There's no, Mm -hmm. there's no town water at all. Oh, really? Mm -mm. No, we all have septic tanks and, and, uh, and I'm surrounded by woods. I live on seven acres. I have probably about a half acre would be cleared land. It might, if you consider the part of the hillside, it might be a little bit more than that, but most of it is wooded. Oh, wow. Yep. My mom lives on about five acres and I would say right now only maybe two thirds, you know, two fifths or three fifths are, are wooded, but it's beautiful. Oh, okay. oh, and I see deer and I see porcupines and, um, lots of turkeys, lots of turkeys come into the yard. How many of your routines changed, um, after your husband passed? A lot, a lot. Um, which is really interesting because it was after Duncan passed that I, 
began to realize that I had to have a good solid morning routine to help me face the day and to become the person that I really wanted to be for that day. Mm-hmm. And we, Duncan and I already had exercise routine going on every single morning. So that okay. was part of it. But when you're living with another person, being with that person is a major, at least for me, was a major part of my routine. You know, he didn't drink coffee, but we still sat down and, you know, had our breakfast together and we talked and we shared about how the day was going to go. But now that I'm, you know, by myself, then, you know, I have to create all of that for myself. So it, it, it definitely changed a lot after. Is that when you really started journaling when you didn't have yes. him to state your intentions with you? Yes, exactly. Put it down. Yes. Um, and I, I actually took a course, let's see, he had, it was two and a half years after he had passed that I took a course of trying to remember the name of the course, but it was all about how we, what, what ends up happening to us is we let our bodies control our minds. So our bodies will say, I am hungry. You better feed me. Or I, you know, I want a cup of coffee now. No, I don't want to exercise now. I want a cup of coffee. So I took this whole course and she had us do, I believe it was, a, was 30 days. And then, but she highly recommended that you do it again for another 30 days. You didn't have to pay for the second one. And at the end of those 60 days, I, I was realizing that I was becoming a very different person Wow! that I began to realize that I could be in control of my body as opposed to my body being in control of my mind. And and what I mean by that, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza gives a good example of that. He says, we train dogs and horses all the time it's no different when you're training your body. You say, no, I hear that you want a cup of coffee and that's fine. You're going to get one. I'm not going to deprive you, but right now you're going to sit and you're going to do what I tell you to do. Sounds and a lot like was- parenting. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> if then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, and even my, my morning routine has evolved quite a lot over the last year, even. So when we were chatting for a minute before we started, before I pushed the record button, we were talking a little bit about anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. and you had said that you would like to talk about how to handle the anxiety of, can I do this? Do you have a few minutes left to yes, speak to that? So for me, and I don't think this is necessarily for every personality, but for me, the old critic in my mind would say, you can't do this. Who are you to even think that you can do this? Who's going to want to listen to you? Wow. You don't have, you're not smart enough to do that. Those types of things that would crop up and it would create a lot of anxiety. Imposter syndrome, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yes, very much so. And it would create that anxiety. And then I would have to deal with the anxiety. And I've really been learning in the last year how to speak back to that inner critic Mm -hmm. and say, okay, I appreciate what you're saying. And I did used to be like that, but I'm not like that now. I'm a new person now. And yes, I can do this. And yes, I'm doing it. And I don't care if it's perfect or not. I don't need to be perfect. And anybody who's listening to me, they're not perfect and they don't want a perfect person speaking to them. 
So that's, that's a lot of what I've done is to just have this dialogue with myself. And a lot of times I'll actually get my journal out and I'll write it down and I'll say up until now, I was fearful to do this, but now I'm going to do this now. Very I'm good. going to, yeah. So, How would that, um, apply for someone who's thinking about working from home? I think it's, it applies a lot because when you're at home, you don't have the normal distractions of your coworkers being there. You're maybe talking to them when you're getting a, a glass of water or fill, refilling your water bottle, or you may be at the copy or I don't know if people still use copy machines or not, but you, you have that interaction going on throughout the day and you can easily distract yourself with other people. But when you're working from home, it's you oftentimes. I mean, you, yes, even when, when Duncan was here and, and I was, we were working together, it still was me in my office needing to discipline myself and get my work done. Yeah. And and it's so tempting to say, oh, well, you know, it'll only take me three minutes to put the clothes in the washer and then, you know, uh, I can go back to my desk. So for me, I have to say no for 45 minutes or whatever time frame I may set for myself for this length of time, you're not going to be distracted by the other things you're going to, you could be doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are certainly advantages to being at home and getting laundry done and at times when I maybe wouldn't have normally done it, right. but, but for me, I have to really set those time limits and say, no, you need to sit here and get this done or stand. I, I do a lot of standing in my desk. I have this computer here and I have this computer here so that I don't have a standing desk, but I can go up. Oh yeah. That's lovely. Do you, do you use like actual timers to do the 45 minutes or do you set the alarm on your phone? I, I use my phone alarm and I'll show you what else I do. I just held up one of those egg timers. It's uh, is it, uh, what does they call it? I'm, I'm going to mess up. Is it the Pomodoro? Oh, yes, it is. Yes. Uh-huh. The so, and I also oh. use this, even though it's an hour, mm-hmm. I still use that because I like reminding myself that my life is like sand through an hourglass and that one day it will run out. It's a beautiful hourglass too. So it's glass and it has white sand and it's a one hour. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have one upstairs and they have a different one downstairs. The only reason I have two is because my coach sent me another one. So I keep that <laughs> one downstairs. And that's another thing I have learned from me that works really well. I have enough space in my house. And again, I'm here by myself that I move to different rooms. I was so, going to ask you, do you work upstairs and downstairs? So this is my upstairs loft. Mm-hmm. And this is where my computer, my two um, desktops are. And then I have a laptop that I drag around wherever I want to go, but I purposely will make myself go downstairs and sit in the living room where the light is very different down there. Mm-hmm. And I'm surrounded by different colors and it helps with my creativity. And it also helps, you know, I find certain rooms a little bit more calming than others. And it just helps me to, you know, break up my day and not feel like, I'm just sitting in because it's easy for me to just glue myself to the computer and just stay there and just work, 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 work. But I know that doesn't, that's not the best thing for my brain or for my anxiety or, or for my, you know, sense of calmness. And then how do you close out your day so that you stop working? So I'm very intentional about that. 
I normally close out my day at seven o'clock. I'm running behind that today and that's totally fine. Totally fine. But I normally close out my, unless I have a meeting at night, like even a meeting to drive to, I'll close out my day at seven. That gives me time to do things like get in the sauna if I want to get into the um, jacuzzi and really work on purposely getting my mind off of everything. So almost all the time, part of my evening routine is watching an online kaleidoscope. I don't know if you've ever done that. No, I have no idea what that is. So you know what a kaleidoscope is where you turn, you know, and you have all those different colors. Mm -hmm. Well, there are people who are organizations who have created these online kaleidoscopes and you can just put it on your computer or I do it on my phone because I'm oftentimes in the jacuzzi when I'm doing it. And I just watch that kaleidoscope because then it puts your brain. I forget if it's alpha waves that it puts it in. I think it's the alpha waves, which is very relaxing and also allows you to become very creative. And so I like to do that at night before I go to bed. I find I sleep so much better. And I've found if I wake up in the middle of the night, usually my first line of defense is to do EFT, which is emotional freedom tapping, you know, where you're tapping, 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 this kind of thing. Okay. The meridians. And if that doesn't help me to fall right back to sleep, then I just open up my phone to the kaleidoscope and I watch that for a while. And I usually go right back to sleep. I'll have to check these out. That's so cool. So it sounds like you have set pretty good boundaries for yourself. I think I have definitely set good boundaries. It has not come without lots of kicking and screaming and learning to value myself though, because even though I'm a morning person, I can easily be a night person. If I get a second wind, I can easily go until midnight. Mm. So one of the things about your setup that is going to be different from some of the moms that you support is that you have the freedom to work from many different places in your yes. home, which some people do. But when you have a meeting, um, I, I have to be in a room that I can close the door because my oh, children sure. are still young and they make noise yeah. and they need things. And right now my husband's home, <laughs> so yeah. he can, you know, he's not currently in a meeting anymore, so he can, you know, be the first line of defense there. But, um, the, the freedom of being able to work from three different rooms is sounds very luxurious. <laughs> yes, I know. And I know that that's unique to somebody living by themselves because even I, if I, even if I, I had a husband here, that would still, I wouldn't be able to work from the living room probably. Right. Okay. Yeah. And like, I can do certain types of work from different rooms in the house, but when I have to really think hard, it needs to be in a quiet space. Okay. All right. Yes. I'm glad sometimes I, out. sometimes I want to work at the kitchen table and I'll tell all my kids to go somewhere else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't usually work. Yes. Because mommy's always a magnet to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts before we go? I usually try to end up with um, what advice do you have for someone who's thinking of working from home for the first time? I would say get in touch with what your dreams are and start to write them down. And then I think the most important thing you can do is to build your inner circle of at least two people that are going to surround you. You don't have to ever meet with them in person. It can be on Zoom, it can be on the phone, but at least two people that can be a part of your inner circle that can say, yes, you can do this. Also, that person can challenge you and say, well, have you thought about this way? Or have you thought about this? 
uh, that person or those people can then say, listen, I just met this person. And I think this person could be a wonderful resource for you. So that you're surrounding yourself by that with that inner circle of people who are going to keep encouraging you because we know that we become like the five people we spend the most time with. So we want to pick people who are positive, people who are energetic, people who are super supportive and will listen to you and support your idea and not just poo-poo it and say, oh gosh, people tried that years ago. That never worked because you, we, we both know there are a lot of people like that out there. So you want to find those people who are going to encourage you. And yes, maybe the idea that you have in the long run is not going to be something that you're going to totally act on, but you need the freedom to explore that. And you need to be able to explore that in the presence of other people. I feel like this advice can apply to people who not only work from home uh, for another corporation or business, Mm -hmm. um, but also those who are entrepreneurs in different ways, because the people that are working for a corporation or business, they have, you know, a thing to do that they have to do every day and they clock in and clock out or whatever, but they might not have that same social aspect and they need to look outside usually to find other people to meet that need. Yeah, that's so true. But the people who are the entrepreneurs also need the accountability and motivation to use their time wisely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. All right. So I need you to let us know where we can find you and your summit. Okay. All right. So the, um, you can find me on uh, Deborah, excuse me, Debbie H page.com and the summit. You can find all about the summit on inspiredmom.com, and the summit will launch September 29th through October 2nd. Is that three or four days? Four days. Okay. So about eight speakers ish, six to eight speakers a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And is there a cost to attend? So you can attend for free on each day that we will release the speakers for that day. And you can watch those speakers on that day. If you want to be able to watch those speakers beyond that day, which many people do because it's hard to get six or eight speakers in in one day. Then you can become a VIP member. I'm not sure what we're going to be charging this year. Last year, we charged $37 to become a VIP member. That gives you access to the recordings as long as you want to listen to them as many times as you want to. And it also gives you access to any of the bonuses that our speakers have offered to our VIP members. Very good. Anything else that I should mention or ask you before we go? No, I think that you covered a tremendous amount. You gave me a, a, a big voice today. And I thank you, April, because you did, you, you encouraged me to talk about a lot of different things that I've put into practice for my life. So thank you very, very much for that. It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you. Let's get together again next week and we'll record my interview, right? All right. That sounds good to me. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. This has been Debbie Page with April Malone. And yes, I work from home and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.